Hello, welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I'm Taylor, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy Mark Cunningham. Mark, how's it going? Frustrated, frustrated right now. We this is we have had a lot of audio issues. We have new equipment. We're using a new program to record, which we're really excited about. Unfortunately, it's not been great so far, but it seems like we may have figured it out. So I'm I'm excited to get this done with. It sounds good, and I think it's just the internet. I don't know what's going on with the internet in Nashville. If you're in Nashville and you're having internet issues, call me. Tell me what you did to fix it because we are on the struggle bus. But we have cause to celebrate today, Mark. We always have to remember we have cause to celebrate today, and that. Is is because the Education Savings Account program that was authorized way back in 2019, when the world was quite a different place, is finally at the point where families can begin to apply for it. Uh, A few weeks ago, maybe last month, we got good news from the state Supreme Court that the program would be eligible for applicants this year. And after another ruling from a lower court earlier this week, we finally have clearance for families to enroll in the education savings account program. I get chills when I talk about it. We have tried this segment like four or five times and I get chills every time. (laughs) Um, Mark, what what are the implications of this for families in Tennessee? I mean, I'm I'll get emotional if I try to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that we should think about, and both of them are, I mean, I, I think good. The first one is that we keep saying it can't wait. So the fact that kids are able to do it this school year rather than having to wait till next year, that's a big deal. Even I, they don't have a lot of time. You know, it might only be a couple hundred kids because of the lack of time. But even that two or three hundred kids who need it a new, need a new education the most, who want a quality education, that's a huge deal for them. So we're excited it can move forward this year. The second one, which is it's exciting to think that these, you know, the children and families who need this the most in Davidson and Shelby County will have it. But it's also a little bit frustrating because you say, you know, this is incredible for them. We're so happy that that we're helping some kids or the no kids. But this is something that should be available to everybody. And it, it just kind of at one time, it's exciting and it's a step in the right direction to say, hey, we have these kids who can start to get out of these schools that aren't working for them, that are dangerous, where they're not learning and, and get an opportunity for the families to pick where they go. But on the other hand, you're like, well, you know, I wish people in Clarksville and people in Chattanooga and people in Knoxville all that same option. So it's a great start. I think it's exciting and we'll hopefully see a lot of people, maybe not this year, but by next year, moving over there and seeing success. Um, and hopefully that will make the other counties want to do something like this. Yeah. One thing I've, I've learned, I've learned a lot in my eight years in, in the political policy realm is never let the perfect be the enemy of the good. This is good news. And we are going to see, I'm fully confident, there is no doubt in my mind that the results of this program are going to be incredible for students, for parents, families who are just looking for another opportunity. And as we see the incredible results from it, more families will be able to apply because state state leadership is going to see what all the good things that are happening and expand it to other counties, other cities, other school systems, other school districts, and children will be able to do this. And, um, you know, no one in our office is anti-public school. I think that more than 50% of our of the people who work with us went to a public school, but we're also pro giving families the opportunity to choose what's best for them. That's what freedom is all about is having the opportunity to choose what's best for you. And that's what education savings accounts are going to guarantee. And we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. We can tell you all the, all the good points of education savings accounts, but this is, from from my unique position, getting to do outreach for Beacon, I've met so many families who are just looking for another option who can't afford it on their own. I, I get it. My personal story is similar to that. Families who need some help being able to afford this on their own. And 
I think that this is going to be just huge and so, so great. Yeah. And, and I would think about two other things too. We're, we're definitely not anti-public school and some of the best schools in the state are public schools, yes. especially here in Williamson County. We're just of the mind that like, these schools in Davidson and Shelby County are way worse than a lot of the public schools that we went to. There's a lot of schools here that are not working for kids. So we want everyone to have the opportunity at a good everyone. school, whether it's a, whether it's a different public school in a different county, whether it's a private school that fits their needs, whether it's a charter school. We just want these kids who are being left behind and education is the great equalizer. And we are just leaving children and families and, and we're putting them in this position where it's so much harder to succeed in life if they get a mm. poor quality education. That's what we care about. And just to echo your point, we you cannot let you know the perfect be the enemy of the good. And the fact is that having these two counties have educational choice is so much better than the alternative, which is no counties or no children have ed- educational choice. So we are really happy with this, and hopefully it will continue to expand. Yeah, and the tide is turning across the country. We get news articles in my Google alerts. I get news articles every single week, it feels like, of new opportunities in different states. Different governors are signing bills to allow for school choice in in all these different states. And so there's going to be more and more research and more and more things that will show this. But research isn't what changes lives. The stories of people who get to benefit from these programs are what ultimately will turn the tide in favor of school choice. And so I think... I genuinely strongly believe that when we see the results of this program in children's eyes and in student outcomes, you know, we talked about student outcomes on the podcast last week with the TN Ready scores. I think when children get an education that is specialized to their needs, we're going to see even better results. And and not only research will show it, but the stories, the testimonials of those families will show it too. And one more thing to remember is we're already on the right side of this. Politicians are a lagging indicator of what the public thinks. It's already 70, 80% of people are for this. It just takes politicians a long time to come around, you know, especially if they're for whatever reason beholden to a teacher's union or, you know, they're just nervous about the consequences because they have good public schools. So we are on the right side already. We don't have to convince more people. We need to convince more politicians. So they are always a lagging indicator, which is why we feel so good about the future of educational choice. Can you make me a t-shirt that says politicians are a lagging indicator of public <laughs> opinion? I feel like I just need to be a walking, talking billboard for that cause individually. <laughs> I would sell one t-shirt. Nobody else would want that. So I will get, I will make, I'll get my dad to make you one t-shirt. That's like the lamest t-shirt I've ever heard of. <laughs> Thanks, Mark Sr. I'll wear it everywhere. Um, okay. Never mind. I saw your Blake 182 t-shirt. So it's not the lamest t-shirt I've ever seen, but it's close. <laughs> this is, hey, if anyone's listening to this podcast for the first time, one thing you need to understand is that despite Mark's constant hurling of insults at me, I really do think he's a pretty stand-up guy. And I trust his opinion on many things not all things but many things not music definitely not music (laughs) Um, but I do trust your opinion on you brought up a really interesting news story to me earlier today when we were talking about it all has to I think it all comes back to and and I'll get you to kind of go into the details of this but I think what what we want to talk about here is everything needs to all come back to having a true understanding and tolerance of people's beliefs and opinions and and instead of name calling we we're seeing so much so much name calling in media and politics these days mark tell me about the story tell everyone about the story you told me earlier and then let's dive into the implications of that Yes, this is a really interesting story. I think it's, um, in my opinion, something that both sides of the political aisle have really gotten wrong. Um, Mm. So what happened was Josh Hawley, who is the senator from Missouri, was questioning, I think, a a professor from Cal Berkeley. uh, And they were talking about, I I don't, transgender issues, right? So Mm. he was asking questions and, and doing all these things. And this is an issue that the left has had 
is that they're not willing to live in reality. And we're of the mind, and I've always been of the mind that we, you know, people who are transgender should be treated with respect. They should have the same rights as us. They have the same rights as us. We should call them, at least I will call them by their preferred pronoun. If you want to say, I'm not going to, you know, people get called by nicknames all the time. Like if they want to be called, you know, woman, man, whatever they, he, I will call them that. Like I'm not going to try to disrespect them. With that being said, they have to live in reality. When this professor basically called Josh Hawley transphobic, that's what she said for saying that men cannot get pregnant. That is insanity. And like nobody is where they're at. You know, that is the the left 5% that, that is not in touch with reality. And they're dealing with this issue that you can say you want to treat these people with respect. You know, I might not quite understand what they're going through or why they're doing it, but you want to treat them with respect. But they are going so far the other way where they're forcing you to say that men can have babies. They can't, you know, like physiologically women who want to identify as men can fine. They can do whatever. I mean, that's true. But those are not. It's different being a biological man and being a biological woman. And it's the same thing. We talk about the sports issue that, you know what? I think that women who want to be men or men who want to be women should be able to participate, you know, in sports. But when there's a distinct advantage because of physical things that you have, such as, you know, Leah Thomas. And I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she's doing this to try to win. But I also don't think she should be allowed to compete with other women. So, like, we just need to have this idea of being compassionate and trying to understand what these people are going through and and something that we might not, you know, quite understand. But also say, let's live in reality and let's live in a world where these things make sense. Because otherwise, the the left is kind of caving to the far left's idea that, you know, men can have babies. We need the pregnant man emoji. Um, There's no such thing as a woman, except when the abortion debate happens, then we can't really decide how to define a woman. But they're going to lose votes if they keep this up. They need to say, okay, we want to treat them with respect. We don't want some people on the far right who might be calling them horrible names. That's not acceptable. But also, let's live in the world of, you know, reality and say, you can't have, uh, men cannot have babies. I'm sorry. Okay, so at the risk of getting a little too serious, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. But one of the things that that I think is so interesting is years and years ago when they did the Women's March, the first Women's March, I felt very kind of peeved that I am a woman and I fully believe in female empowerment. And I think that women should have the same opportunities as men, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I'm excluded from the women's march because I don't believe in the, a lot of the things that they believe in. I, I wouldn't go march under those those that political umbrella. Now, one of the most beautiful things a woman can do is give birth to a child. But if you're truly about empowering women, why why would you take that away? I, I just think it's very uh I think that the narrative changes, the goalposts change all the time with the far left. Well, you know, women, women are great because women can have kids. They said that over and over. Women, women should be valued and should be put on a pedestal because women can have children. But now also so can men. Like the goalposts keep changing. The narrative keeps changing and I can't follow it. So I'm just going to stick with what I think and I'm going to be nice to everybody. Women can have babies. It's a beautiful thing. If you want to be called a she, welcome. It's pretty great being a woman. I have no problem with that. But also hashtag follow the science. That's what I mean when I say the narrative is constantly changing. It doesn't make any sense. And also trans people, we need more trans people in office unless it's Caitlyn Jenner because she doesn't agree with our our policy. So it's like it's it's a lot about politics. And they have this whole idea of, again, what we should be. And again, I don't think this is most people. I don't think this is even the left. I think most of the left wants to be tolerant. I want to be tolerant. I want to treat trans people. I want trans people to the same rights as everyone else. And if there's areas where they don't have that, we should give it to them. I don't think they should have 
extra rights. I don't think you should be able to go to jail for misgendering somebody. I won't do that, but you shouldn't go to jail for it like you do in Canada. Right. And you need to understand, yeah, like you said, there's you can't act like you're pro-science in all these other ways and then say, oh, we're just going to ignore this one thing that clearly goes against us. So like men can't have babies. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to treat trans women with respect, but men cannot Absolutely. have babies. Biological women who identify as men can have babies, fine. But that's, it's just this extremism that, that, again, it is both sides, but the left is really extreme on these issues, and they're not in the mainstream of even the Democratic Party on this. I, I agree. I, biological women who identify as men can have babies, period. You got the organs, you got everything you need to have yeah. a baby, you can grow a baby, go and have a baby, whatever. But don't don't call someone a name, a really, a really like triggering name just because they don't agree with you that biological men can have babies. I'm sorry. It's, it's, and it's not transphobic. JK Rowling is not transphobic, right? You know, Bette Midler might be an idiot, but she's not transphobic. Like just because people want to have questions about things, Macy Gray, not transphobic. Also, I'm glad to see her back in the news. It's been yeah, a long time since I tried came out, but it's these people that they're not transphobic. They're actually very liberal. They just understand this basic science. And again, it's not about treating trans people with with disrespect we should not do that if you're a good person you're going to treat everyone with respect yeah. but it's about just understanding the reality of, of where we're at in life and it's just it's insane well and i think it's an important thing for us to remember here in tennessee because even though this is happening in berkeley in california we you know people always say that america is behind the fashion trends of paris in five years and then people in america say that tennessee and the deep south is behind the the cultural trends of new york and california by two to three years it's important for us to remember here in Tennessee that even though this is happening at Berkeley and we all think that this is just an LA, New York, Chicago, Seattle, Portland issue, it's going to spread across the country and we have to treat people with kindness and respect who they want to be, but still not be afraid to stand up for what we know is right, which is the science of the issue, but still treating people with kindness. And so uh, I think that that the time is coming where ideas like this are going to spread across the country. And I think that the two can go hand in hand of treating people with kindness and respect, but also acknowledging the truth of the matter. And I think you're a great example of showing that Tennessee's way behind. Cause you use words that were like popular five years ago. And then you kind of bring them like out now. Like you like, to, like, I feel like lit has been something in the last year or two when it was like popular, like eight years ago. So I feel like you're into, you are the lagging indicator of Tennessee being kind of behind the rest of the country. Can your dad also make me a shirt that says I am the lagging indicator? <laughs> I think that that, uh, I think that my friends will want some of those that say Taylor is the lagging indicator. I'm just going to give them out for, for Christmas this year. We can do a whole box set. That'll be perfect. Yeah, that merch will sell. <laughs> that will fly off the shelves. Oh, gosh. Um, so another, uh, well, one way that I am not a lagging indicator is I've been talking about this next topic for months, which is uh, sports super conferences. I've been talking about this for months. I have been knowing, I've actually been talking about this since Texas A&M wanted to join the SEC and Mizzou yeah. joined the SEC. So I've been talking about this for years, like since I was in college. And now it's finally coming to fruition. And I actually got an ESPN alert the other day that Nick Saban did a press conference that said super conferences are here to stay. I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time and Mark's finally letting me. I 
don't love the idea of super conferences. I think it's going to really dilute um, some of our schedules. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I don't think it's a great thing. I think it's going to happen because it all comes down to these networks and these conferences bottom lines. And if ESPN can break ties with the ACC because Clemson's no longer in the ACC, then they're going to do it. Uh, but I would love to hear your thoughts, Mark, because I am, I am anti super conference there. I've said it. Yeah, I'm I'm really in the middle. I understand. It. And there's a lot of great rivalries. Like just imagine if Alabama didn't play Auburn. You know, imagine I know that's not gonna happen. Imagine Auburn went to a different conference. I mean, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State's one of the coolest games bedlam. They're not gonna play anymore. Mm. So I hate I hate that it's destroying these incredible rivalries and they're not gonna they're just not gonna be able to play because I mean people have already scheduled out, you know, 10 years. They have their non-conference schedule. Um, so I don't like it from that angle. Um, I do think that a conference like the SEC in my opinion, that's been overrated. The, like you will see these other teams come in and compete. Oklahoma and Texas will compete there. Yeah. Say, oh, maybe we weren't as good as we thought. We saw that the first year Missouri came to the SEC, they won their side of the SEC. I know. Texas A&M has been Texas A&M is the only team that beat Alabama right last year. I can't talk season. about it. I have PTSD but, from that day. Sure, but uh, so I think it's interesting because you'll get different. You can make new rivalries, right? Like, who sure. would have thought that like USC and Michigan would be something that, that is played every year? So there's some cool aspects of it. I'm worried about the little guys, especially in basketball. I know. I think that's the one issue. I have. I think football is weird because there's not. You make it one or two teams like a Cincinnati, but I mean, a lot of those teams are going to be going to some of these super conferences. Sure. But it's the basketball teams. It's it's this. I mean, St. Peter's. Like these stories from this year. Those are the teams that are going to get really locked out of there. And especially if they do less conferences. And I know the NCA has already talked about getting rid of some of the automatic bids for small conferences in basketball, which would just ruin the tournament in my mind. And let me just say, if I didn't, if I thought that your hatred for the NCAA was as high as it could possibly go, now it's going to be off the charts if they do something like that. <laughs> I won't watch. I won't watch the tournament anymore. If they take away bids from these small conferences, that would be enough for me to boycott because that would ruin the entire tournament. I know. They just have these super conferences. They put you know the forty best teams in. That's not interesting to me. That's not what makes March Madness magical. Um, I'm not as concerned from the football angles. I do think there's, there's a lot less teams. Right? There's only about 115 in NCAA yeah, football. Yeah, I'm not concerned. I'm just annoyed. <laughs> I'm not really like concerned about it. I'm just kind of like, what are we, what are we doing here, guys? And what will be interesting is like, what's going to happen to these leftover teams like Oregon, like, you know, um, Oklahoma State, like these teams that are pretty good. They have a good history, but they've kind of been left behind. We're like, now, do they form their own? It wouldn't even be a super conference, like uh, their own mediocre conference, like bringing NC State, North Carolina, you know, Oregon, <laughs> Oregon State. I don't know, like just just a, but a mediocre kind of old Big East type conference in football. I don't know what happens with that. Like the Bench Warmers Conference. That's the first <laughs> thing that, that pops in my head from that old movie, the Bench Warmers Conference. I mean, I, yeah, I think it's sad for some of those teams because the schools that are good are going to go where the money is. It, it all comes down to money, which I think is so sad. And we know that everything in this world kind of comes down to money, but it's sad for me because I just enjoy football so much and I, I enjoy the game. But it's not even who's good. That's the other thing that's, that's the problem. USC and UCLA have not been good in football for 15 years. UCLA has not been good for 50 years, but because they bring in so much money, and yes, they're, you know, they're decent basketball schools, but these are the ones who got the invitation. Meanwhile, Oregon has been the best team in the Pac-12. They got, they got left there. So it's not even about who's good and who's bad. Oklahoma and Texas have both kind of been like, very, I mean, especially Texas has been trash for 10 years. Yeah, Texas. And, 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 
Oklahoma's been good a couple years. They were not great last year, but you see, like you're getting these teams that just bring in a lot of money, and it's not about their quality of play. It's about how much money and, and their alumni net and worth and all that stuff. And Texas A&M wasn't good when you got them. They mm. were a very mediocre Big 12 team. So that's the worst part. It's not the best teams. It's the teams with the most money that are leaving. And it's sad. I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but as you can tell, Mark and I are pretty fired up about it. But before we have to go, I wanted to ask Mark, because we agree on very few things in life, <laughs> uh, but... I think it's safe to say we both enjoyed the new Top Gun. Yeah, we don't agree on the original one because I so I was I was a lagging indicator by a lot of this about 15 years. Um, I just saw the first Top Gun um, like a year ago. It wasn't good. I didn't find it entertaining. I thought the I story was it. weird. I thought Tom Cruise was unbelievably creepy in that following women into the women's bathroom. That's fair. Um, That's a fair point. Just weird. And, and like the storyline didn't really make sense. I didn't even understand what the school was. I, I like I liked Iceman better than him, which I don't think you're supposed to do. Like no. I liked him the whole time better. You would. I mean, to, you Tom Cruise was such Tom Cruise was such an arrogant, like at least I, I don't know. I did not like the first one. So I went to the second one. But I think if I watch it at the time, I might feel differently. The second one, much better. A good storyline. Miles Teller is awesome. Yes. Um, it, it was just a much better storyline. So like, I think the first one was not that good. I wouldn't even say it was good at all. And the second one, maybe because I didn't have the same expectations, was so much better than I thought. Good storyline, good acting. Tom Cruise, Jennifer Connelly. I mean, they all look great. They all mm-hmm. act great. I mean, I thought it was a very good movie. Yeah, I, I think I liked the first one the most because I watched it with my dad when I was little. And it, it's just like a nostalgic thing for me. So every time I watch it, I can like think about being with my dad and eating pizza and watching Top Gun. So like, that that I, I did like it at the time and I still like it now. I have seen the new Top Gun twice and I promised my pastor's daughter that I would take her to see it when she got back from ballet camp. So I will be seeing it a third time. Um, I saw it with Suzanne, who works with us the second time I saw it. And I kept looking at her at the important parts just to see how she was reacting because <laughs> I, I love to see a movie and get my favorite parts and then see people that I am friends with experience it for the first time. I love to like see people enjoying a movie like that. Um, one of the cool things that I read, I, I read a lot of articles about this movie and there were a couple things because they really did have the actors flying in the planes. And there was a scene where the plane flipped and Miles Teller bonked his head on the top of the airplane and they kept it in there because it looked so authentic. And so I just think, I think that the the technology of how they did this movie was great. I like that it really was, aside from language, it was a pretty PG movie. Like, any age could really go see it and it had funny moments and the production value was great. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I would recommend everyone see it in a movie theater. You need to experience it in a movie theater. It's one of those, you know, some of them I'll say like, wait until it's streaming, but this is one movie that you need to experience it in a theater with your friends so you can all really grasp it together. I really did enjoy it. I'm glad that we agree on this, Mark. I will say it's so weird how often you see movies more than once in theaters. I've only ever seen one movie in my life more than once in a movie theater. So it is insane. Like it's almost every movie you like you're seeing two or three times. I saw The Hangover and that was it. That's the only movie I feel like I wanted to see twice. Okay. Shout out to Regal Movie Pass. I pay $20 a month for unlimited movies. And so if I like a movie, 
I go see it multiple times. I just It's I, about your time, not the money. The amount oh. of time you spend seeing the thing that you've already seen is insane. <laughs> but my favorite time spent is time that I'm alone, which says a lot about my personality. But I love spending time alone in a dark movie theater and see fully a new movie. immersed. <laughs> don't have to see the same movie again there's so many even if women see a new movie it's, it's not that hard it's good for my anxiety i'll explain it on another i should start a podcast okay. about anxiety but it's good for anxiety <laughs> to know what's coming next in the story and so okay. that's like really that's like pretty pretty nice to know what's coming next in the story then i can just eat my popcorn drink my coke zero and just vibe out to the movie so i don't want to hear anything else about that <laughs> because you need to give it a chance it's pretty fun um, anything left to add before we sign off on this one, Mark? Other than nope, everyone, so. everyone go see this movie. <laughs> I think everyone already has. I was like one of the last ones to see it. So lagging indicator. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Lagging indicator. Well, uh, for Taylor and Mark, this has been Decaf. Be sure you subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we will see you next week on Decaf. <laughs> <laughs>